are welcome to Face to Face broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Taking the message of faith around the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Please be seated. There's a song that says, You are beautiful beyond description. Too marvelous for words. It says, Too wonderful for comprehension. Hallelujah. Those songs, or that song, tries to communicate how awesome he is. Thank you, Father. How many of you are expecting the Lord to touch you again today? Amen. God is always out to bless us. Amen. The Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you. Amen. Not to take from you, to give you. Tap in say to give you. Not to take from you, to give you an expected end. So God is not sitting down thinking about how to cut your life short. Amen. He's not thinking about how to bring your life to an abrupt end. He's thinking of how to give you an expected end. Amen. Um, the Hebrew idea behind it is that if you are about to end here and it's not good enough, he extends it. Amen. Are we together? He was looking at where you're about to end. No, no, this is not good enough. He extends it to give you an expected end. And in the course of this meeting, you'll receive what he's given to you. He's a gracious God. He's a gracious God. If you've ever been introduced to him any other way, then he was misrepresented. Hallelujah. He's a gracious God. He's a loving father. And um, in meetings like this, we want everyone to know him for who he is. And he wants to reveal himself, not as a consuming fire, but a loving father. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. We started something, you know, I want you to know that what we've been doing with our faith-to-faith seminar, um, it's been a meeting where the revelation and manifestation of Christ is made known. And that's what we're having. For this particular quarter, we're having it for three days in Port Harcourt City. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 15. From verse 1. Father, I thank you for utterance. Thank you for revelations. Thank you for manifestations of the Spirit. Thank you in the name of Jesus. 
1 Corinthians 15, 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Anytime I come to this place where it says the gospel, I pause. Say the gospel. He didn't say a gospel. He was speaking about something that the people he was talking to also knew about or they knew about. It means that the Corinthians knew what he was talking about. He also wrote to the Galatians and he also called it the gospel. It means they also knew what he was talking about. He wrote to the Romans. He said also to them, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He called it the gospel. That means they also knew what he was talking about. Nobody came around Paul and didn't understand what the gospel was. He made it a priority for people to understand what the gospel of Christ is. So here again, he said, moreover, brethren, he's talking to brethren. He's not talking to um, uh, the heathen. I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. Not what I'm about to preach. I already preached it to you. He said, which also ye have received. Wherein ye stand. Thank God that you also have received that gospel. And you're standing in that gospel. Verse 2 now says, by which also ye are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you. Unless ye have believed in vain. Let me pause here for a moment. You know, Paul was trying to explain that it is possible for someone to believe in vain. And now, um, there are different ways that this scripture was rendered, but what I was trying to say is that if you don't keep in memory the gospel, your believing will be in vain. Amen. If you don't remember what the gospel is, that it is about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, your believing will be unfruitful. Being in vain means that it will amount to nothing. What makes your believing amount to something is that you keep in memory the gospel. Hallelujah. And the gospel is ever fresh. It should be heard again and again and again and again. In one of the devotionals we had this, this month, we we're talking about when the scripture said, be not forgetful hearers. And I said, the cure for forgetful hearing is continuous hearing. The only way you cannot be classified into the category of forgetful hearers is by being a continuous hearer. That means you keep hearing. In that scripture in Romans 10, 17, it didn't say faith comes by having heard. It said faith comes by hearing. Continuous tense. Hallelujah. Hearing. Everybody say hearing. 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 You are a product of what you have been hearing. You will be transformed into what you keep hearing. The deficiencies, so to speak, the inadequacies, so to speak, that you meet are as a result of what you've not heard. Hallelujah. Your hearing is your making. So the believer must make it a point of duty to hear. He even said, hey, be slow to speak, but be quick to hear. Why did he say so? Because the more you hear about this gospel, the faster your life is transformed. Amen. 
Then you get grounded and settled. Amen. In Christ. So, back to my scripture. Verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15. Lift your hand and say, I, I, I'm not believing in vain. I keep in memory what the gospel is. The gospel is about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Hallelujah. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Let me just pause whatever we're doing, okay? I just want to address something. Praise God. Verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, hallelujah. Did you see that? First of all. Meaning that it was a priority. I delivered on you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Next. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now what I've been instructed to do in this particular edition. Is that I should take on these major components one after the other. So yesterday we talked about the death of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about the burial of Jesus. And tomorrow we'll talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Now the importance of this is that you must understand, even if collectively all of that makes redemption, but in specific terms, there are particular things that the death on its own brings into our lives. The burial on its own brings into our lives. And the resurrection on its own brings into our lives. Amen. We want to be exact with the knowledge we have. Amen. So last night, if you were here, I talked about the seven significant things about the death of Christ. Today, I want to talk about four significant things about the burial of Christ. Hallelujah. Are we together? What we dealt with yesterday is something that we try to compress into one meeting. But it's a seven-part message compressed into one. At the end of the day, when I got back home, I was even amazed about the fact that we were able to put that in one meeting. Amen. Because I didn't believe I was going to finish it. I thought maybe I'll just touch two or three and then we'll go like that. But we were amazed to see that we got to seven. Hallelujah. I feel the same way about what I want to deal with now. Amen. You know, when we talk about the death of Jesus, a lot of times believers don't put so much thought or give too much attention to the burial of Jesus Christ. It's natural because we want to just get to the best part of the story. Amen. The resurrection. So most of the time we just jump from death to resurrection. But if you study the Gospels and study the epistles, the writings of Paul, you find there was an emphasis on the burial. Hallelujah. There was an emphasis on the burial. That means that there should be some significance of this burial to us as believers in Christ Jesus. 
You see, the worst thing that ha can happen to a believer is not, you know, it's written in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It tells you the worst thing that can happen. Hallelujah. So I'll just show it to you. Let's look at Hebrews 4, 1. It says, let us therefore fear. That's what he told you to be afraid of. Lest a promise left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. That means that the worst thing that can happen to you it's not that you will go to hell. <laughs> Amen. No, 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 no. The worst thing that can happen to you as a believer is that you will live below, glory to God, God's expectations of you. Then you get to heaven, you find out that you were just suffering for nothing. Amen. Remember the story of, um, there are two particular stories, but the original story came from um, a man that boarded a ship. But as the story emerged, people adopted the story to put it on the plane. Because now we use planes. But it was a story actually of a man on a ship. And he had paid for the uh, um, uh, boarding fee to board the ship and travel on, on sea. And then on the ship, they started trying to feed them. So they brought food. And he refused to eat. He refused to eat. He refused to eat. So towards the end of the journey, I think they almost arrived someone that observed that he rejected everything they offered him, but he was eating something he brought, but he rejected everything they offered him. said, is there a problem with the food on, 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 on board? You know, I just discovered that you rejected every meal. He said, I didn't pay for it. I didn't have extra money, rather, to pay for it. And then the man said, no, 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 no. When you paid to board this ship, you also paid to eat. Hello? And so you have a lot of believers today that have refused to eat. Amen. They refuse to take their healing. They refuse to take their prosperity. They refuse to walk in victory. They don't know that it came with the salvation package. There's nothing extra you're supposed to do. Glory to God. It comes with the salvation package. You know, sometime I was teaching on faith. And I was explaining, um, sorry to say, there's a way faith was taught. It made faith look like an adios tax. It made, it made faith look like climbing a, a hill, you know. When you're climbing a hill, it's, it's more difficult than coming down. Are you understanding me? So it made faith look like that. So people are, are trying to, you know, behave like faith is one muscle. You know, they're trying to, you know. But that's not what the scripture teaches. So in correcting that teaching, I have a teaching called the New Testament faith. And in that teaching, I was explaining something about faith. I said, when you got born again, when you got saved, you came, the new creation came with faith already installed. Amen. Am I communicating? Now, I explained it, I used the word installed on purpose because this generation can understand that. Okay? That it's just like you have a computer and it has uh, a software on it already. You don't have to go and buy the software. Amen. It's already installed in it. So your spirit already has faith installed. Glory to God. Are we together? When you got born again, you got saved. Faith was already installed. So we're not trying to get it. We already have it. Say, I already have faith. Glory to God. Now, let me tell you why I'm saying it. And I said, if you already have faith installed, how did faith come? Amen. How did you get faith? You got faith through the gospel. 
The, another name for the gospel of Christ is the word of faith. Amen. That's another name for the gospel of Christ, the word of faith. It's called the word of faith because it brings faith with it. So when the gospel is preached to you, faith comes in it. To you. Am I communicating? Okay? Now, the first thing your faith downloaded was the most difficult thing to download. You know what it was? Salvation. If your faith can receive salvation, is it a car it cannot receive? If your faith can receive salvation, is it a new house or house rent or capital for your business that your faith cannot receive? Are you getting the picture? You see, but because you think your faith is weak, you think your faith is small, there is no New Testament scripture. And when I say New Testament scripture, I'm talking about scripture after redemption, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know, most of the time when we, we were taught faith, we were taught faith from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the New Testament in practice had not kicked off. Amen. The New Testament in practice kicked off in the book of Acts. So when Jesus was saying to the Jews, if you have faith as a mustard seed, he was not talking to the new creation. Amen. He was not talking to the new creation. He was talking to the Jew that has not received Christ. So he said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, when he meets you, he's not going to say, if you have faith. He says, oh, walk by faith because you already have faith. He says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. He didn't tell you to have faith. There is no New Testament scripture that tells the new creation to have faith. Because he already has faith. It talks to the new creation like someone that already possesses faith. So, we begin to take scriptures that tell or refer to some other group of people and apply it to ourselves. The Bible says that you have the measure of faith. It's a definite measure that everyone that got born again received. Amen. And as long as that measure could receive salvation, there's nothing it can receive. Did you hear me? There's nothing it can't receive. So what does knowledge do? F.F. F. Bosworth, a great man of God, said, faith begins where the will of God is known. Amen. That means knowledge helps you exercise your faith. Are we together? That's what it does. Go back to Hebrews 4. Let us therefore fear, amen, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Say so we're not coming short of it. That's why we're here. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Alright, now having said that, the reason why we're explaining all this about the death, burial, and resurrection is that all that we do, all that we are, all that will ever be is centered around this event. The greatest event is this event. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. If there's something to be you know, you say you have a bachelor's degree, you have a master's degree. If there's something to master, is to master this thing. Master the death. Master the burial. Master the resurrection. If there's something to have a PhD in, 
have it in the death, in the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Are you with me? I know some people have studied the law and acquired some graduate degrees, amen, <laughs> in advanced works. But there's something about what Jesus did for us that you must apply your heart to. I love that scripture that says, it is a good thing that your heart be established with grace. That your heart be established with grace. Can you pray that prayer with me? Say, in the name of Jesus, my heart should be established in the finished works of Christ. In the deaths, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Someone say a loud amen. Alright, so I want to share with you the significant things. You just share four of them about the burial of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Alright, remember we're reading 1 Corinthians 15. Just go back to verse 3. Uh, let me just drop something there. It says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Verse 4. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Tell your neighbor he was buried. Tell your neighbor again he was buried. This is not an unnecessary detail. It's a significant detail. Telling us that he didn't just die. Jesus also was buried. In this part of the world, at least we know what burial is. Someone was having an argument about what's the best kind of burial that anybody should have. You know, which burial is scriptural, which one is not scriptural. I said the one Jesus did is the scriptural one. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. He said, oh no, some people say they should do this. Some people say, I don't want to talk about that. You know, I said, no, 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 no. See, the religions of the world that came up with other forms of burial didn't have understanding of resurrection. Amen. A Christian buries with the mind of resurrection. Amen. Am I communicating? So the first significant thing about the burial of Jesus is that the burial of Jesus Christ was a continuation. Hallelujah. So that's the first thing you're going to write. Say continuation. Write continuation. Say continuation. Say it again. Continuation. The question is continuation of what? Continuation of his suffering. Hallelujah. Remember that when we were talking about his death, we said death is a substitution. Now, this suffering of Christ started before the cross. Hallelujah. Don't forget that. You know, I, I mentioned to you what crucifixion is. That is a process. Hallelujah. The crucifixion is a process. It's a specialized way of inflicting pain on an individual. Hallelujah. So, crucifixion did not start just on the cross. Remember that they dragged Jesus out. They asked him questions. They whipped him. They put crowns of thorn on his head. There are several things they did to him before he got to the cross. Are you with me? 
They made him even carry the cross. All that was the process of crucifixion. You know how somebody will celebrate a birthday for one week? This death, this crucifixion was on for several days. Amen. From when they arrested him, or hours rather, and when they arrested him and took him, it has, the process has started. When they spat on his face, it was part of the process. Now, most of the time, we think that the suffering stopped when he died. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. He dismissed his spirit, as the, uh, as the original text will say. But the suffering didn't end there. It continued. Hallelujah. Why? How do we know? Because of what the scripture told us. You know, the suffering of Jesus was physical. But it was also spiritual. It was more spiritual than physical. Are you listening to me? It affected his body. The Bible says his visage was so mad, more than any man. That means it affected him physically. But the suffering was spiritual. The burial was the last phase of the suffering. Amen. You know the beautiful thing about that is that if you were here in the world, to you, everything has ended. He has died. Are you understanding me? It's over. No. That death was a phase. Amen. The burial was another phase. Where the battle had been taken to another region. Amen. Are you listening to me? There is silence on this side, but there is no silence on the other side. I thank God that he died. And I thank God that he was buried. Glory to God. There's a scripture I'll just point out to you. So the suffering did not end in his death. It continued. It is a continuation of the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. So Jesus, the substitution continued. Why? When man sinned, the punishment for sin is not just physical death. It is spiritual death. It is eternal condemnation. Are you understanding me? Let me go back a bit and explain something to you. Man was not designed to die. Amen. I hope you know that. He was not designed to die. But the more sin had the hold over mankind, the number of years man lived on earth kept reducing. If you read in the times of Adam and Methuselah and the rest of them, some of them lived 900 years, 800 and something years, 600. Are you understanding me? It started coming down, it started coming down, it started coming down. Now some of us have set at 80. If Jesus tarries for maybe another thousands of years, it will still go down. Old age will be like 13. <laughs> Let's assume that Jesus didn't die. Are you understanding me? Because what Jesus did is that he has broken the curse. Hallelujah. But if the process continued, see the aging process, because... <laughs> Will, 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 will keep going further and going further. If you read the scriptures, you'll find that even when some of them were dying 900 years, 
six, 800 years. Someone is like 400 years. He's still in his father's house. He's a youth. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? Yeah. 300 something years. You understand that? <laughs> and I keep telling you stories of what happened when he was so so here. What happened when he was so so here? Are you understanding me? The Bible didn't tell us Enoch died out of old age. God took him. Amen. That means he would have still been here on and on. Praise God. So, the judgment on mankind was eternal separation from God. Not just a man's body separated from his spirit. The reason why man could not die physically was that he first died spiritually. Am I communicating? If man and God were not separated, his body and his spirit were also not separate. Amen. Am I communicating? So when Jesus was on that cross, we were taught in the Hebrew text, Isaiah 53, that when the word death was used, it was plural. Because it was implying that Jesus died two deaths. He first died spiritually by being separated from the Father. That's when he cried out. Amen. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All right? If he didn't die spiritually first, he would not have ever died physically. Amen. Am I communicating? But there's something else that had to happen. They took the body of Jesus and buried Jesus. Remember that the soul of Jesus went to hell. Amen. Psalm 16 verse 10. Put it up. In Psalm 16 verse 10, the scripture tells us something. David was speaking prophetically about the experience of the Christ. He said, thou will not leave my soul in hell. Hallelujah. Neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. You find the scripture again quoted in the book of Acts after Jesus had resurrected. Amen. Implying that that scripture has been fulfilled. Let me explain something about prophecy, prophecy in the Bible. There are three kinds of prophecies in the Bible. Amen. There are prophecies that have been fulfilled already. Like this prophecy in Christ has been fulfilled. Amen. His soul was not left in hell. Then there are prophecies that are being fulfilled. In the last days, I part my spirit of flesh. Young men are seeing visions. We're fulfilling that one. It's happening now. Amen. Young men are seeing visions. Amen. Handmaidens are prophesying. Are you understanding me? It's happening now. Then the third phase are prophecies that will be fulfilled. That have not yet been fulfilled. So there are prophecies that have not been fulfilled. Are we together? So here, the psalmist was telling us about something. Now we are in the day where it has already happened. Amen. But when he spoke it, it was a prophecy for the future. That means that the judgment that was to come on man was that at the end of the day, he will be banished to hell. I, I feel like I should talk a little about hell. So the suffering continued for him to get to hell. Give me, um, let me just point out two or three scriptures. Let me stay here a little. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. Look at what the scripture said. I'll read, I'll just speak two verses. Chapter 4 verse 8. Okay, 3. 8 to 10. Hallelujah. Alright? Are you there? 
say his burial is a continuation of his suffering of his substitution for me amen wherefore he saith when he Jesus ascended on high what happened he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men verse 9 now that he ascended what is it but that he also what he also what descended first into what into the lower parts of the earth just give, give me verse 10 he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might feel all things see you see when the Bible talks about the name of Jesus, the Bible says, at the mention of the name of Jesus, everything shall bow. Then it says, of things in heaven, of things on earth, and of things beneath the earth. Are you understanding me? The only way Jesus could have authority over that place, I'm going to talk about that at the end, is that he had to go there. Amen. Okay, so the scripture tells us that he that ascended, first of all, descended. Some people don't like to hear that Jesus went to hell. Well, it's, it's not about what you like. He went to hell. Amen. The scripture said so. And I'll show you the other psalm where it said, His, my, my soul, he will not leave my soul in hell. Glory to God. That means that the hell that you were assigned to, Jesus went in your place. Amen. So, the, the burial was a continuation of his suffering for you. But that burial was the final phase of his suffering. The suffering didn't end on the cross. It ended in the grave. Amen. There, you know, there are many Psalms we call the Psalms of Christ because they talk about the Messiah. There are several of them in Scripture. You know, there are some that you, you're quite conversant with, you know. But there's a Psalm, I like to just pick out a line of what the Psalmist said. That means that, look, Jesus was now numbered amongst those to go to hell. Psalm 88 verse 4. He was talking about, he, he made a statement. Um, I, the King James rendered it, but there are some other translations. Let's use the King James. Psalm 88 verse 4. He says, I am counted with them. This is Jesus. That go down into the pits. I'm as a man that had no strength. Glory to God. Are we together? That means when he was going, he was going in your place. Amen. What would have happened to you, happened to him. Hmm. Let me talk a little about hell. You know, it's important for believers to recognize that spiritual things are real. And that the Bible never referred to hell as, um, as something um, um, unreal. Hell is a real place. You know where the idea of hell not being a real place came was in um, the story of Luke 16. Jesus was telling a story. And some people assumed that it was a parable. Hallelujah. But he said, no, 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 no. A certain rich man. And then he talked about the rich man and Lazarus. It was something that exactly happened. He said, oh, he lived well and so and so forth. Then he died. Then Lazarus also died. And then the Bible says he went to hell. Then he takes us to hell. Amen. Video in hell. We have a clips of hell in Luke 16. Then it tells us that two men went to hell, but they had different experiences. One was the rich man. And he didn't go because he had money. 
The other was Lazarus. When both of them were in hell, the Bible clearly tells us that in that hell, 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 there were two compartments. One compartment was referred to as Abraham's bosom. Everybody say Abraham's bosom. That's where Lazarus was. That's what people have come to know then. People say it's purgatory. Amen. Paradise. It was a temporary place of abode for the righteous ones who had not yet cast the promissory note of the sacrifice of Jesus. Are you listening to me? So they waited there in Abraham's bosom. It was a place of comfort. That means Abraham too was there. Hallelujah. Everyone that died before Jesus died was there. Hallelujah. In hell. <laughs> but not the torment department of hell. Abraham's bosom. Praise God. So, when the rich man looked and saw Lazarus, he still thought of him as a poor man. He said, Abraham. Why didn't he say, Abraham, get me water? He couldn't send Abraham. Because Abraham is a rich man too. But he said, Abraham, please, can you tell my boy, Lazarus, to go and get just a drop of water to quench my thirst. He kept sending a Lazarus on errands, trying to send him. Abraham said, there's no way, where we are, we can't come your way. And where you are, you can't cross this way. He said, there's a great gulf between us. All of that place was known as hell. Amen. Did you hear me? Yes. You should have some knowledge of these things. There's a difference between hell and the lake of fire. That's why the Bible tells you that at the end of the day, if you read the book of Revelations, it says hell and death will be cast into the lake of fire. Hell is a movable prison. Let me put it better so you understand it. There are some of you that are very, you know, you're hard guys. You know what I'm talking about. You know there is prison, jail. And there is like a holding cell where they keep you. Hell is a holding cell. Amen. <laughs> Waiting for the main prison. If someone dies today, without receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, he goes to hell. Before Jesus came, if someone died in the covenant, in the Mosaic covenant or whatever revelation he had at that time, he goes to hell, but not the torment department of hell. He goes to Abraham's bosom. Am I communicating? That place now is empty. Abraham's bosom is empty. Am I communicating? So, hell um, in the Hebrew is, is called shol. In the, in, the, in the Greek is referred to as Hades. It's a place of abode for departed spirits. Morality 
can keep you out of jail. But you need the blood of Jesus to keep you out of hell. Did you hear me? Morality can keep you out of jail. But only the blood of Jesus can keep you out of hell. If you study scriptures carefully, you'll find that there are five mentioned regions within the infernal region, the lower parts of the earth. Then it had Abraham's bosom, which I just mentioned, which is empty now. Then the torment department of hell, where everyone that didn't receive Christ still goes to today. Then there's another place called the bottomless pit, abyss. The Bible referred to Jesus as the one with the keys to the bottomless pits. Amen. Then there was a place referred to where the demons or really the fallen angels that rebelled just before the flood were kept and are still kept there. They'll be released after a while. Huh? That's a special prison. Then the Bible talks about the lake of fire. Nobody is in the lake of fire right now. Amen. It's at the end of the end that hell and death, Satan, his angels, and those that didn't receive Christ will be thrown into the lake of fire. Did you get that? It's good for you to know that. So help me tell you about hell is real. Amen. All right. Now, because I, I came around here, that's why I mentioned it to you. But where I'm going to with this is that when Jesus descended, the Bible says he went to the lower parts of the earth. All right? In spiritual geography, heaven is above and hell is beneath. So, he went to complete your suffering. He was counted as them that go down to the pits as I quoted to you in Psalm 8, 8 verse 4. He was amongst those appointed to go to the pits so that you won't have to go to the pits. Amen. Amen. Go back to Psalm 16. There's a, there's a translation I love in Psalm 16 verse 10. Um, NLT. Okay, see what you do for me. Um, group verse 8 to 10. Together. I just want to be sure. Thank you. Now, give me message translation. Thank you. That's it. Message. I was not sure which one was that. Let's read together. I want to go. Day and night, I will stick with God. I've got a good thing going and I'm not letting go. I'm happy from inside and from the outside in. Okay, sorry. I'm happy from inside out and from outside in. I'm firmly formed. You canceled. Jesus canceled what? My ticket to hell. That's not my destination. Amen. Did you see that? That's what Jesus came to do. They, see, there was Jesus came and took the tickets, amen, to hell. And so the ticket has been used. Are you getting the picture? 
I said the ticket has been used. So it's cancelled. Amen. So his death was a continuation. And it was the final phase, the last phase of his suffering for you and me. Lift your hands and say, thank God he died. Glory to Jesus. Say again, thank God he was buried. Now remember, we're speaking specifically of the significance of his burial. Because he was buried, he went down to hell and took my place. Amen. Are we together? Let me just explain some other scriptures just to make you understand the burial. I'm still talking about the continuation. I'll read Isaiah chapter 53 verse 8. And I also read from verse 9 to 11. Amen. The Bible says he was cut off out of the land of the living. Amen. So the burial is not just that he died. He was cut off. Hallelujah. From the land of the living. He says he was taken from prison from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. Why? For the transgression of my people. That means the reason why he was buried for continue the suffering. Amen. For the transgression of his people. Amen. Was he stricken? Verse 9 to 11, please. And he made his grave. Jesus made his grave. Um, the father made the grave of Jesus with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. He didn't deserve it. Verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11 is my, is my, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. That going to hell, he was satisfied. It was complete. Amen. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. I want to announce to you that the Father is satisfied. So the burial, say the burial of Jesus Christ. Is a continuation of his suffering for me. Say loud, amen. amen. So, never forget that the burial is the final and the last phase of the suffering. The second thing, the second significant thing about the burial of Jesus Christ, write down the word validation. Amen. Validation. The burial of Jesus Christ is a validation. The first is continuation. The second is validation. Is a validation. A validation of what? A validation of his death. Amen. The burial of Jesus Christ is a validation of his death. The burial is the proof that he died. Glory to God. If his death was questionable, then his resurrection will also be questionable. If his death was false, then his resurrection also is false. The Bible says that if he did not die, or if he doesn't, he didn't, he didn't die at all, then our faith is vain. Hallelujah. So, burying him means that he actually died. Now, understand something. Remember what happened while he was on the cross. That there were two men with him. Criminals or thieves, as the scripture mentioned. And remember the story that the soldier came and discovered that he was dead. But the other two were not dead. So what did they do? They broke their legs. You know when they say they broke their legs, some of you think they held their, their leg and broke it. No, 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 no. That's not how they break the legs. They take, not hammer, you know what they call a mallet. 
A mallet is a big hammer. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Are you understanding me? Then they come and then they hit here. Boom. The leg will off. You know what they call off? It's gone. They do that so that they do it for two reasons. One, they do it sometimes to speed up the death process. Maybe that because at times people, people, people on, the, on the cross, they're hanging on the cross and they, didn't, they stayed out for days before they died. And they felt that they needed to speed up the death process. Okay? So they hit their legs to break it. Why? Because when they're hanging on that cross, okay, the, the, um, there's a nail here, there's a nail here, and they their, their feet also the position they are in they can't breathe properly so from time to time they lift their body up so that they could breathe you understand that but when they break the legs you can't do that again are you listening to me so one of the reasons why they break the legs is to speed up the death process the second reason is that if the person has not died and they need to bring him down, they don't want to hear that he escaped. Are you understanding me? So in this case, the criminals were not yet dead. So they came and they broke their legs. Now, Jesus, the Bible says that none of his bones will be broken. That means he will be buried in tacks. So when the soldier came, he found that he was already dead. But you know what? He didn't leave, stop at that. He took a spare just to be doubly sure and went to his side and pierced it. The Bible says blood and water came out. That's not the subject for today. And then he was sure that the guy was dead. Then he brought him down. Now, but I want to show you something. This burial is a validation of his death. In Mark 15, Verse 43 to 45. You know, see, most of what we do today started many years ago. They could not bury Jesus without a death certificate. Are you understanding me? It had to be proof that he died. Because there have been rumors about this Jesus, so they had to be sure he was dead. In Mark 15, there was a man called Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God. He came and went in boldly unto Pilate. And craved for the body of Jesus. He said, I want the body of Jesus. Now, is it not even a miracle? It's a miracle to prove to you that this, this burial was a different kind of burial. If the law, if a state executed a man, the state has custody of the body. Are you understanding me? They don't release the body to the individual or to the family. They don't do that. Amen. It's never done. Are you with me? Now, but in the case of Jesus, someone came and demanded for his body. And the state released his body. Amen. Are we together? Now, so the Bible says he went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. Verse 44. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead. Are you getting me? Well, is he dead? And calling unto him the centurion. The centurion was the supervisor of the crucifixion. Are you understanding me? The officer in charge. Glory to God. So he called him and asked whether he had been any while dead. Verse 45. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body of Jesus. That means they were sure he was dead. Glory to God. Are we together? So for the fact that Jesus was buried is a validation to you and the whole world that Jesus died. Amen. 
Lift your hands and say, Jesus died. Glory to God. He actually died. He was not in a coma. He did not faint. Amen. He died. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did you get that? And I thank God that he died. Say the burial of Jesus is a validation of his death. Glory to Jesus. Number three. The third significant thing about the burial of Jesus Christ is that the burial is a confirmation. Everybody say confirmation. A confirmation of what? Of prophecy. Amen. The burial of Jesus is a confirmation of prophecy. We started by saying the burial of Jesus is a continuation of his suffering. The last phase of his suffering. We went further to explain that the burial of Jesus is a validation of his death. A proof that he died. And now number three, the burial of Jesus is a confirmation of prophecy. It's a proof of scripture being fulfilled. Amen. How do we know that? There are several scriptures that point us to the fact that the specific things that were said about Jesus were the things about his burial were the things that happened. You know, um, there's what Jesus, there's a difference between biblical prophecy and predictions. Amen. There's a difference. It's not guesswork. It's not basing things on the law of compound probabilities. Are you understanding me? No. The, the prophecies of, of, of the scripture are specific. Hallelujah. They're verifiable. For example, in Isaiah 53 verse 9, put it up, it says something specific about his burial. Isaiah 53 verse 9. It says, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Now, oh, how do we know that? How do we know what happened? We saw that he was on the cross and there were two wicked men beside him. Amen. Is that not so? The two thieves. This prophecy was given long before it happened. The second thing is that when he was buried, he was buried with the rich. Amen. How do we know? I just read to you about Joseph the Arimathea. Let me show you another scripture about Joseph. You know, Joseph was not the only one that buried Jesus. Everybody that was involved in the burial of Jesus was a big shot. Amen. So that this prophecy will be fulfilled. That he was buried with the rich in his death. Amen. Give me John chapter 19 verse 38. In John 19 from 38, it says, And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate, a man that has access to Pilate. Amen. Are you understanding me? You know that he's not using his son Dasun. Are you understanding me? Or Dasun Sonny. Are you understanding me? Or Golf. Are you understanding me? <laughs> he had access to Pilate. He had access to Pilate. So he went to him to ask for the body of Jesus Christ. I'll read further. He now says, And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. Next verse. I'm going to read down to 42. And there came also who? How many of you remember Nico? Amen. Nicodemus. Amen. 
We're like, where were you since? Amen. Where, where have you been? Amen. After you came to Jesus by night, we didn't see you again. Meaning he kept following Jesus. Amen. So Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night, he was involved in the burial. Hallelujah. These were the money bags behind Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. So he came. He brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes. Amen. And about a hundred pound weight. I was telling you that what he brought was not something light. Amen. Verse 40. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Next. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. Kai, hallelujah. It was an unused and a new tomb. Let me explain something to you about this thing. You know, if Jesus had used a used tomb, the Jews will say that the reason why Jesus rose again that his body touched the bone of a prophet. Are you understanding me? Because they know that. They know that those kind of things happen. Amen. But this resurrection had to be proven that there was no prophet. Amen. That he was raised by the glory of the Father. So he was put in a tomb that no man had ever used. Praise God. Next verse. There lay they Jesus. Therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulchre was nigh at hand. It was not far from where they hung him on the cross. The prophecy was fulfilled. Amen. That he will make his grave with the wicked and the rich in his death. Amen. So, it was a confirmation of prophecy. You know, there are several things in scripture that point us to the burial of Jesus. Uh, of Jesus. For example, we're told in Matthew 12, 43, something powerful, something beautiful, which is also a confirmation of prophecy. Jesus himself spoke that before he died. Let me just get the particular scripture now. In Matthew 12, glory to Jesus. Let's, let me just read verse 39. Thank you, Lord. Are you there? The burial is a sign a confirmation, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Look at it. But he answered and said unto them, an evil, Jesus was speaking, an adulterous generation seeks after a sign. What did he say? There shall no sign be given to it. <laughs> you know, there are still some people looking for signs and he's saying to them, there's no other sign that will be given to you apart from to be preaching the gospel. I am a sign. Amen. So, he said, no sign shall be given to it, but the sign the sign of what? Prophet Jonas. That means that the experience of Jonah was a type of the burial of Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights. Jesus is speaking when he was still alive. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall 
the son of man be what? Three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That means that the burial of Jesus was already prophesied how long it would be. Amen. Are we together? It's a confirmation of prophecy. How long he's going to be there? That he's going to be there three days and three nights was already prophesied. Now, there are a lot of similarities, you know. I'm just a bit um, tickled to just say one or two of them. Now, you know, Jonah was in a boat. Remember that. And the sea was raging. Are you understanding me? The sea was raging. The only way to appease the sea was to throw Jonah inside. In the same way also, the anger of God was raging against man. The only way to appease that anger was to throw Jesus into the belly of the earth. Are you getting the picture? That's a type. Glory to God. So, as Jonah was, so Jesus was. Amen. Now, some, see, for, for some of you that are Bible scholars, go and study what Jonah was saying when he was in the belly of the fish. Amen. You will get some solid things there. Amen. Are we together? Because he was a sign. Amen. What was happening to him was exactly what was going to happen to Jesus. And when, when Jonah came out, from the belly's fish, um, um, uh, the, the fish's belly. You see belly's fish or fish's belly. Amen. <laughs> there's a belly and there's a fish. So when he came out from whichever one, you know what he did? He went to preach to Gentiles. As Jesus rose, you and I could enter. Amen. The gospel came to Gentiles. Amen. Are we together? Say the, the burial of Jesus. Is a confirmation of prophecy. Is a fulfillment of scripture. Glory to Jesus. Alright, I'm trying to be as brief as I can. The last one. The burial is a domination. Right, domination. Domination, as in dominion. Domination. The burial is a domination over Satan. Hallelujah. Are we together? The burial gave him an opportunity to become Lord even beneath the earth in the infernal regions. Are we together? Now he took the battle to hell's gates. Amen. Am I communicating? That's what the burial. So in those three days, when you come to the tomb, nothing is happening there, but something was happening beneath the earth. Are you understanding me? There were volcanic. <laughs> Are you understanding me? Things were shaking beneath the earth. It was now the devil that was having heat. Amen. Oh, you know, one that was studying the scripture, there's a picture that came to my mind, you know, of Colossians 2.15. Um, um, Colossians 2.15, Hebrews 2.14 and 15. In Colossians 2.15, it says something there. It says, and having spoiled, this King James did not do it justice to it. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them Openly, what did he say? Triumphing over them in it. Amen. Did you see that? Now, but this scripture does not really do justice to, to what it was saying. Um, um, let me just see the amplified version. There's a translation I love so much, and I could just see the picture here. He says, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were arranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in it. Hallelujah. Now when Jesus was buried 
There are several scriptures that point us to the fact that all I could tell you that there was no demon in Israel that day. Because everybody was on assignments. Amen. In hell. Amen. Amen. To make sure that this man does not come out. Amen. Are we together? Because he took the battle to their own front. Give me Hebrews 2. I need six of, um, five or six brothers. Okay, let all the protocol guys that inside the hall come. I would like to use it for an example. Give me um, um, Hebrews 2.14. Uh, for, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he took also himself, likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy. Um, I translate it says, put to naught, hallelujah. Um, disarm him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Amen. Amen. Now, let me explain what happened. You are too few. I need double the number. So, Onis, come. I need double the number. You come. Pastor, you can join them. You can join them. Join them. Uh, Daniel, join them. If you're wearing a good suit, just join them. <laughs> now, come, like, come closer, come closer, come closer. Walk in a line, don't walk together. That's from, stand this way, stand this way like that. Good. Then do like you're forming a circle. Uh-huh. Good. Now, it's just like Satan, Jesus entered their territory. Amen. Now, they closed in on Jesus. Amen. Now, there's a prophecy in Psalms where he said, hey, many bulls, strong bulls of Bashan. Amen. They come against him. Now, come closer and bend. Right? Then when I stand up, you jump fall down. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? Fall down with your leg up. So the Bible says, he disarmed them. Now, go! That's what happened. Amen. That's what happened. Inhale. Inhale. Amen. Are you getting me? When this happened, the Bible says he made a bold display. See, he went there. This is domination. Amen. Then the Bible says, he took the keys of hell and death. Remember in Revelation 1.18, he said, I am he that was dead and I'm alive forever. And have what? The keys of hell and death. Where did he take it? He went to take it in hell. Amen. So he took it. He made a public spectacle of Satan. So in his burial, when you look at the body, the body was still, but his soul was in hell. Amen. And this was what was going on. Amen. And he had the victory. Are you understanding me? Are you getting me? That's what the burial did for you. The burial gave you domination. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, there's a song you always sing. I think it's in Psalm 107 verse 20 or so. It said, he has broken the gates of brass. and cut. It's prophetic. That's how Jesus went and broke the gates of brass. That place where the Abraham's bosom, where all the saints were locked in, he went and broke it. Amen. Open the place and let them out. The Bible says he led captivity captive. Amen. Those that were in captivity, he led them out. That's why in Matthew, when Jesus came on the scene, they saw saints that were dead also came with him. Amen. Are you listening to me? Glory to God. 
he went to Satan's domain and whipped him. I said he went to Satan's domain and whipped him. Glory to God. Do you know what that means? That's when Jesus could now say that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee in heaven, on earth, and beneath the earth, because even beneath the earth they know. So when you say in the name of Jesus, Satan knows what they are talking about. Because that name has come there and whipped them. Shout hallelujah somebody. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. His burial is a domination. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Say he has broken the gates of brass. He has cut the bars of iron in sunder. Glory to God. So the bearer gave him an opportunity to become Lord even beneath the earth. Are we together? It made him Lord even beneath the earth. There's a final picture I just want to give to you and then we're going to pray. It's the fact that there are many things in scripture that are figurative of the dead, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Are we together? Several things. You know, and I'll end on this note. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That growth in your stomach, in the name of Jesus, it dematerializes. It will melt, it will melt, it will melt like butter on fire. In the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible told us the story about, see, Bible stories that were selected, they were selected. Many things happened. The Bible is not a diary of, of, of what happened to the Jews. Are you understanding me? It's not a day-to-day account of what happened in Paul's life or in Abraham's life. No, 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 no. Specific sections that were prophetic in nature or were connected to you in one way or the other were gathered. Are you understanding me? The stories that were told are stories that were relevant. There are some things we will never have known. Do you know we read the whole of the Old Testament? We never saw that angel, um, the archangel Michael and Satan met. We never knew. Are you understanding me? It was not in Genesis. It was not in Exodus. It was not in Leviticus. All, at least the five books of Moses, at least the books of Moses. Would, we, do you know what they told us in Deuteronomy? They said Moses died and the Lord buried him. There were other things that happened around the burial of Moses that we were not told. Are you understanding me? We were not told because it doesn't matter. You just say, the Lord buried him. That means God called him up Mount Nebo and said, lie down, die. Then he died and God buried him. But in Jude, Jude, New Testament, in Jude, Jude now by revelation told us what actually happened. I think verse 9. He said, look, look, look. If you remember that Archangel Michael, when he met with Satan, amen, he did not even bring a really accusation against him. But he said, the Lord rebuke you. What were they disputing over? The body of Moses. That means that when Moses died, Satan came to collect his body. Amen. You know why? Because when anybody died before Jesus came, they had to be escorted to the bosom. Are you understanding me? They were captives. Are you understanding me? Whether you were saved, whether you were in the covenant or not, that's where you go to. So, this time, he didn't just want the soul. It's not about the soul of Moses. He also wanted to keep the body. Are you understanding me? He wanted to keep... Uh, uh, he will die now. You know how Satan was behaving then? No matter how these things are doing, they will still die and come and meet me. They will still die. That's why when Jesus rose again, he said, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Amen. Are you getting the picture? Because now he's saying death has been defeated. Okay, so we, we, we were not told that story. It was Jude. Jude that now told us, hey, that do you know that Mark, Archangel Michael and Satan said, eh, where? Date and time. Amen. 
And say, yes, they were disputing over the body of Moses. Satan came to take it. And the angel said, no, this, you can't take this body. You can't have, it, have anything to do with this body. Now, I also believe that if Satan was allowed, he would have also wanted to mess up the body of Jesus Christ. Are you understanding me? You know, I don't know if you've seen or watched some of those movies that talk about Greek mythology, you know, Achilles and uh, Hector. Eh? Achilles and Hector. Not Hercules, Achilles. Uh, Troy. It's Troy, yeah. You know, where they would challenge them outside the walls of Troy. And then all of a sudden, Achilles said they should bring someone. Hector came out and he killed. Hector is Prince Apparent, the heir apparent. He killed him. He dragged his body with a horse around the town. What a shame to humiliate him. Satan would have loved to do that to the body of Jesus. Are you understanding me? So, but prophecy already protected and preserved the dignity of Jesus' body. Amen. He said, number one, his bone will not be broken. Amen. None of his bones shall be broken. Glory to God. If you see through time, all through scripture, even when the Passover lamb was being eaten, he said, when you take the Passover lamb, slaughter it, but don't break the bones. Are you understanding me? It's symbolic of the fact that the body of Jesus will not be broken. But where I'm going to is not all of that. Where I'm going to is to point out something to you. That the stories in scripture, the stories in scripture, most of them point to Jesus, either his death, burial, or resurrection. Now, we were told that um, three Hebrew boys, amen, Shadrach, one of them is in this church. Meshach, amen. And Abednego, amen. <laughs> they were serving the Lord in a strange land. Are you understanding me? And the king was furious because they had broken the law. Are you getting me? What did he do? He threw them in a fairy furnace. That's like hell. Now, you see, some of the things you hear about spiritually, okay? We talk about the lake of fire. The, the, the Greek word for lake of fire is Gehenna. There's an actual place, Gehenna, and in the Bible, Valley of Hinnom. Are you understanding me? In the Valley of Hinnom, there, see, the Bible says that the natural things that we can touch, some of them are symbolic of spiritual things. Are you understanding me? You read that in Romans 2. Now, what he was saying is that the, the, that Valley of Hinnom was a place where it was a refuse dump, where there's continuous fire burning in the city. They go and throw refuse there. It's a picture of the lake of fire. Are you understanding me? good. Now in the same way, some of the stories that happened to Bible characters were pictures. So Daniel, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fairy furnace was a picture of hell. Amen. Being condemned to hell. But now, what was their salvation? A fourth man. A fourth man was standing with them. That fourth man is your Jesus. That makes the fires of hell not have a touch on you. Not to touch you and rescued you. Amen. From the fires of hell. And I want to announce to you today that that fourth man is still alive. Yeah. Are you listening to me? He came and ended the suffering. Are we together? He came and his burial was a continuation. His burial was a validation of his death. His burial was a confirmation of prophecy. And his burial was a domination of Satan. Satan has been put where he belongs. Say, I have victory. It was after that domination, Jesus stepped out and said, All authority, amen, in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Are you understanding me? He knew what he was talking about. All authority, not some of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. Every, author, every domain is in my hand. Hallelujah. He now had the keys of hell and death. I said he had the keys of hell and death. The Bible didn't say key, keys, keys, plural. He had keys, amen. Everything was in his hand now. It is that Jesus 
that you serve. It is that Jesus that you are partaking in his inheritance. Remember that your identity with him is not just in his death. You also identify with him in his burial. So, his burial also for you is your own domination over Satan. For the fact that Jesus was buried, you also have dominion over Satan and his angels. Now, I want to say to you, if you are here in this hall, and you've been having demonic attacks. Things you can't explain. Satan is just playing games with you. As I'm speaking today, an end has come to that harassment. Are you understanding me? You know, some people talk, oh, Satan, Satan did this to me, Satan did it. What can Satan do to you? What can Satan do to you? No, 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 no. See, he's been whipped. He knows his place. Are you understanding me? He knows his place. He knows that you have been placed far above him. Are you, are you with me? Lift your hand and say, no weapon. Formed against me. By the enemy. Shall prosper. No tongue. Reason against me. In judgment. Shall hold. I condemn it. He said, he, said, he said, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me. Glory to God. Are we together? Listen, there's a consciousness you walk with when you live here. Is a no weapon consciousness. I say it's a no weapon consciousness. It's a no enchantment consciousness. No divination consciousness. Are you understanding me? I made a statement once. I, I think it was here. I said, have you seen, see, say, uh, hey, see Juju, Juju, no, Juju, they fear Juju. I am Juju myself. Are you understanding me? Say, are you getting me? They say they brought charm. Ah, you don't know what I am. <laughs> Anything I touch, it becomes a, my handkerchief is a charm. Are you don't understand me? I charm things. So when you bring your charm, I will uncharm it and recharm it <laughs> with the power of God. <laughs> Are you understanding me? Kai. I remember it was my biological father actually that told me the story. You know, something that happened years ago, you know, where he was still actively working. He had a, a, a situation in his place of work, really, really. Um, troublesome situation. So, some of his friends came around, tried to say they were going to help him, you know. Oh, you know, different people suggesting different things. Okay, come and do this, come and do that. So, one of his friends came and said, This problem you are going through, let's take you to Babalao so that he will do something for you. <laughs> My father said, He want the Babalao to lose his job. <laughs> the, if I enter that place, he is sacked. <laughs> are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? How can a child of God, amen, say you're going to Babalao? You want to spoil business for the Babalao? What makes him a Babalao is the number of demons that are assigned to him. What makes you a child of God is the number of angels that are assigned to you. <laughs> amen. Are you understanding me? Listen to me. You cannot be kidnapped. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everybody that is involved in ritual killings or kidnapping has to be assisted by demons. Nobody does those things with clear eyes. That is an advantage for you. Let me tell you, it's easier eh, to overcome something when it has demonic help. If a thing doesn't have demonic help, it's just natural. Eh? It's more difficult. Are you listening to me? 
So, if somebody is involved in ritual killing, okay, most of the time it's not with their clients. There's a demonic power behind them, which makes it a whole lot easier. If you have ever had any fear ah, that they will just be walking with you, they'll do it like this. And then you will now start doing like this. <laughs> I forgot it, it was something that happened recently. Someone was telling a story. It was a testimony. A guy entered a vehicle and they did like that to his face. He said, what's wrong with you? He's a believer. So he was starting to say, what's wrong with you? What's, what, what's wrong with you? He didn't even know what they were doing. He said, what's wrong with you? They said, hey, 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 drop ammo, drop ammo. Because the thing didn't work. If they do you, hold his head, blow his eye out. <laughs> Don't leave him. <laughs> You see, when you go to that house, not eat or not eat anything. The people don't like you. <laughs> when we were younger, they used to tell us that when you eat in your dream, you know, it means that you are possessed. <laughs> now, let me explain something to you, very important to you. Do you walk in your dream? You walk with your leg. Abby? Because you normally walk in real life. You talk in your dream. Because you talk in real life. The only thing that should be strange to you is what somebody doesn't do in real life. Are you understanding me? Then you are doing it in your dream. Are you getting me? Maybe in your dream, your eye came out from and said running. Uh -huh. Then you can be worried and say, how can I come out? That could mean something. Uh -huh. But that you were walking in your dream. You were sitting down. You drank water in your dream. It, see, it quenches your test. There are some of you, listen. There are some of you, God knows that you don't have faith to receive food in real life. So he brings food to you in your dream. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so that you eat and survive the next day. <laughs> you nasty accuse the Lord and give glory to Satan when the Lord is taking care of your health. Henceforth, any food that human beings eat that you see in your dream, ask, is this the only one that you have? Ask to be sure that the pot is very near. Amen. Eat, eat. When you wake up, let it show your stomach physically that you ate. The Bible says, whatever is given to you, you should receive it with thanksgiving. So when you are receiving, say, Father, I thank you for this food. And you know something about dream? Eh? If the dream, they give you food and there's no meat, you can make meat come out in the dream. It's easier than real life. Are you understanding me? Say there is no enchantment. There is no divination against me. That means that anything that will be invoked against you will not work. 
Because something has already been invoked. Are you getting me? Something has already been invoked. And it's hanging over you. Success has been invoked. Protection has been invoked. Blessings have been invoked. Remember Prophet Balaam? They called him. They said, come and curse the people. He came. He said, ah, I cannot curse them. God has already blessed. They said, curse, come and curse. When they drop, when the alert hit his account. So okay, I will curse them. Now, you will make it. You will make it. You will not succeed. <laughs> what he didn't plan to say is what he was saying. Anywhere they go and cook anything against you. As they're cooking. Amen. <laughs> Are you understanding me? It is God's word that will be manifesting in your life. Listen. Never be afraid of any message from any village. Are you listening to me? There's a message from heaven that is superior from every message from the village. Somebody woke up one morning. His leg was paining. He says, like, they don't send me a message from village. <laughs> don't be afraid of any message from the village. There's a message from heaven. There's a message from the cross. There's a message from the death. There's a message from the barrier. That's the message that should control your life. It bleeds my heart to see believers still afraid of occultic powers, of ritual killings. That what happened? I said, they say, oh, they kept a charm on the floor for you. It's not when you step on it, you say, hey, my leg is behaving somehow like I stepped on something. No, no, no. It's the charm that will be saying, believer stepped on me. Believer stepped on me. Are you understanding me? And I know everything. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice that under any demonic influence is broken now. It's broken in the name of Jesus. You are loose in Jesus' name. You are free in Jesus' name. If you have any sibling under a demonic spell, I stand today in the name of Jesus. I break that spell over that relative. Over that brother, over that sister of yours, over that cousin of yours. Any child under any demonic spell is broken in the name of Jesus. Any spouse, husband or wife under any demonic spell is broken in the name of Jesus. You are free. I suspend every invocation that is contrary to God's word in your life. And I declare that you are free in the name of Jesus. That swelling in your body, it comes to an end. The spirit behind it has been addressed. And you are free in Jesus' name. <laughs> I see people crossing obstacles. Are you understanding me? The barriers that were in front of you, you have crossed them. Say, I've crossed them. Say again, I've crossed them. Everyone stand on your feet. Let's demonstrate that now. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. 
By the strength of God, you are leaping over walls. You are stepping into new territories. You are armed with the knowledge of his death and burial. <laughs> there is no demon anywhere that can withstand what the sacrifice has done. None. None. Kai, I love the story of Smith Wigglesworth. He was upstairs and there was a noise in his house. Downstairs, noise. He came downstairs and saw Satan. Satan the devil, a.k.a. Lucifer. He saw him. When he came and saw him, I know what some of you will be doing, but you will never do that again after today. Some people will declare 60 days. Satan has gone far, far, far. They're still praying. He came down and saw the devil in his sitting room. He said, oh, I didn't know it was you, nothing. He called him nothing. And he went back up and slept. He did not pray any prayer. This is someone that understands his dominion. He went back to sleep. Lester Sumner had a testimony. He was in the Philippines. There was a lot of demonic issues going on. As he arrived, the story had it that there was like a tornado, a wind. Blew into, he was with another minister, a younger minister. Blew into the house where they were. Scattered the table. Are you understanding me? Blew the table over and turned all, all the things on the table fell on the floor. And then the wind, the same way the wind came. Zoop! And went out again. He said, that's the devil. Satan! Come back here. And arranged the table. The wind came back, carried the table and kept it back. That's how to take charge of the devil. He said, that's the devil. Come back here. Fix the table. Don't oh, come and scatter my house. <laughs> Say, I have dominion. I have dominion. Say, I have dominion. I have dominion. <laughs> Are you ready to jump? Yes. Say, I have dominion. I have dominion. Say one more time. Place your hand on your head and say something with dominion in your spirit over your life. Amen. Over your life. Over your life. Over your life. Take authority over certain things. In the name of Jesus. Now, with the rest of you saints, I want to declare something before you jump this jump. In my spirit, it is strong that I should suspend the recession in Nigeria. Are you understanding me? I should suspend, put an end to the recession. Not just technically speaking, in actual facts. That the government will come and announce that the recession is finally over. And money is now circulating. Now, this has nothing to do with whether President Buhari is in the country or not. Are you understanding me? Lift your hand with me and pray in tongues for a minute or two. 
in this seminar, we are putting an end to the siege over the Nigerian economy. It's a siege. It's a demonic siege. This country is funding the gospel in different nations of the world. As a church, we're taking authority. In the name of Jesus. One of the authorities Jesus gave to us, the domination of Jesus that we have, is that whatsoever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever we lose on earth is loosed in heaven. In everyday English, whatsoever we permit on earth is permitted in heaven. Whatsoever we refuse on earth is refused in heaven. For that explanation, whatsoever we allow on earth is allowed in heaven. Whatsoever we disallow on earth is disallowed in heaven. Today, as a church, we disallow recession. We say to recession, you ended today. Today, 27th of May, 2017, recession ended in Nigeria. We break the hold of recession over Nigeria in the name of Jesus. And from today, prosperity returns. Prosperity returns. The siege over Nigeria is broken. The cloud of gloom is broken. The light of prosperity breaks forth upon this country. Not south, east and west. Your light has come. Nigeria is your time to shine. Nigeria, money coming to you now in the name of Jesus. Nigeria, money coming to you now in the name of Jesus. Nigeria, money coming to you now in the name of Jesus. Niger Delta, money coming to you now in the name of Jesus. We command the floodgates of heaven to pour out prosperity. Send now prosperity. Send now prosperity over this region in the name of Jesus Christ. All demons of poverty, we sack them. We send them out of our country. We break their hold forever. We mount angels of prosperity over the four corners of this country, over the four cardinal points of this nation. Let now foreign foreign investors begin to come in. Let foreign exchange earnings begin to come in. Let the GDP begin to rise. In the name of Jesus, we declare it's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. Glory to God. Nigeria is recession free. Now listen to the news. You will start hearing stories. 
Nigeria is recession free. Every corner of this country is recession free. That's how you will know that it was a demonic thing. There's no more darkness over our finances. Are you ready for that leap now? Are you ready? I want you to jump into this prosperity that God has brought into this country. And when I say want to go, you jump. And as you jump forward, begin to say the things you have jumped into. Are you with me? Tell your neighbor, I'm about to jump into something. Say, I'm about to jump into something. Are you ready? One, two, jump, enter. Thank you, Lord. Parakatayara. Abundance, 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 plenty. Makate, Zoprete, Rapataya. Lopotoso, Loboso. Rakate, Abasa. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed and loaded. Taking the man.